Exodus 22, verses 1 through 15, these are God's words. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall restore double. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal, and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand to his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the case of both parties shall come before the judges. And whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt, or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of Yahweh shall be between them both, that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods. And the owner of it shall, keep, shall accept that, and he shall not make it good. But if in fact it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. And if a man borrows anything from his neighbor, and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. <coughs> So far, the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. So this is a bunch of different situations where one man has been involved in the loss or damage uh, of another man's property. Uh, in the first instance, you see that uh, repaying the theft is required with a penalty for the fact that it was a theft. We see that in verse 4. If the theft is found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall restore double. Uh, the idea perhaps being uh, trying to get away with keeping it or perhaps just taking the ox or the donkey for uh, whatever 
plowing or use they could get out of it for the time that they had it, uh, or the wool of the sheep. Uh, but ultimately, harm is not done. The ox, donkey, or sheep that the man has invested in is restored to him. Uh, and so he does not just restore it to him, but he restores it with another one, either of his own or that he has to buy in order to give it to him. Uh, so that there is a penalty for the crime against the neighbor, not just the restoring of the goods. If, in fact, the ox or the sheep uh, have been uh, slaughtered or sold, then the original owner cannot get back his investment in it, and the penalty is much higher, because the guy uh, did not only steal to benefit, he stole to destroy. Um, and now he has enduringly harmed his neighbor. So it's four times as much for the sheep, and five times as much uh, for the oxen. The uh, greater the theft and destruction, the greater the um, penalizing multiplier. Uh, so you are risking money when you steal. Now, if you steal at night, you're also risking your life because you have put the person in a place where, as they defend themselves, which they have a right to do, they are less able to try to guard your life. And now, as we read the law, even less obligated. And so theft is made risky. Note, however, that even when someone is stealing for you, you are to have a regard for their life. That if the sun has risen upon you, and you are more able to be precise with how you stop the man or drive him off, or... Uh, are more able to call upon neighbors who are awake and around, uh, then uh, there is guilt for the bloodshed. Um, you're not to defend property with lethal force the way you are to defend life with lethal force. Of course, if the man proceeds to attack you, then in self-defense, uh, that would not be murder. But for the defense of your property, it would be murder. There is again here a valuing of life over any other thing, because only man is made in the image of God. And God's creating, he made all of the other creatures according to their kinds, even plants and birds and animals and so forth. But man he made according to his own image and in his own likeness. Man is sacred in a way that property is not. And so there is the principle that theft must be repaid. There's the principle that um, theft is risky. Risky uh, both uh, of your property and of your life. And then there is uh, responsibility. Responsibility, of course, in destruction. Uh, the uh, in verse 5, it applies both. If you let the animal out in your own field and he strays, uh, or if you let the animal out in your neighbor's field. Now, this relies upon the, um, the fact that uh, neighbors are more selective than animals. And so if you let your animal out in your neighbor's field, 
then the animal will not take the very best that your neighbor has, but your neighbor will take the very best that you have. Uh, and so there is, again, um, not here a regulation for how well an animal must be tethered within certain distance of your neighbor's field, etc., etc. There's penalizing for outcomes. And there's an assumption that you will take the initiative to be as responsible as necessary not to let your animal be a little uh, beastly thief and take things from your neighbor. Uh, same thing with a fire. If you kindle a fire, there is not uh, a regulation here for how deep the fire pit must be and what you can use in it and how soon you have to put it out when you're done and all those things. It's just if it catches your own stuff on fire, you lose your own stuff. So you have to be responsible for that. And if it catches your neighbor's field on fire, you have to replace everything that it cost your neighbor, uh, which actually saves your neighbor, in, in some cases, the uh, burden of harvesting it. Because if he has standing grain and he hadn't harvested it yet, then you have to pay him the grain that he lost and he didn't have to harvest it. And so there's responsibility for ourselves. This reminds us that we are not just to be thinking of ourselves. We're always to be thinking about those around us and how we are impacting them and what we are costing them. This is part of loving your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's the law of God. If you fail to love your neighbor as yourself, even in your heart, you are guilty and deserve hell. However, neighbors and judges cannot inflict the penalty of hell. God surely will. And our committing crimes exposes uh, us before God as needing the righteousness and sacrifice of Jesus. But what judges and neighbors can penalize are crimes committed that come from the sin that is in the heart. Uh, and this is required for the honoring of God in the society, for the orderly operation of the society, and it is also loving towards the members of society, giving them these penalties that not only accomplish the first two purposes, but help us realize that we are not loving our neighbors as ourselves, we are not being as thoughtful for others' well-being as we are for our own. So there's responsibility for destruction. Now, uh, in uh, verse 7 and uh, going through verse 15, uh, it deals with issues of what happens when something is lost or destroyed in someone else's hands than him to whom it belongs, his, than his to whom it belongs. And the answer is a little bit tricky because it depends upon whose idea it was for the things to change hands. If you asked someone to keep something for you and uh, they don't keep it well or it is stolen from them, you're the one who asked them anyway. You can't put on them the risk of losing their own property. Uh, and so this would make you think twice about which person you asked uh, to keep your stuff for you. But if you asked to borrow something of someone else's and it was destroyed in 
um, in your care, uh, then you would need uh, to uh, show that you had not uh, destroyed it. Um, for any kind of trespass, whether ox, donkey, sheep, clothing, uh, or lost thing, uh, you need to come to the judges. If a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. So if the owner was there, he is responsible, just like if it wasn't being borrowed. But if the owner wasn't there and you had borrowed it, doesn't matter how it was lost, doesn't matter who took it. You borrowed his thing and you took on yourself the risk. Okay, so there is that distinction. And because we're getting into uh, finer areas of uh, who asked for it to be kept or who borrowed it and what actually happened to it, etc., now judges are involved. God makes accommodation for our sin, and not only for our deception, but even our differences in perception. One of the things you will find out very quickly, if you haven't discovered it already, is that different people see different situations or remember different situations very differently. And so it's important in areas where there may be more doubt or more question uh, of what happened and how we got to where we are is important to have judges who can listen uh, to both sides, facilitate communication, try to discover what actually happened, and to whom evidence can be presented. And so there's the establishing uh, of arbitration uh, by judges here as well. So a number of things here that honor God in the attempt to order society in a way that runs on the principle of loving God and keeping his law, and loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, and provide produces an orderly society, which is also honoring to God as he is God of order, and a prosperous society, which honors God because he is a generous God, but also ultimately a society that remembers that sin in the heart deserves hell. Uh, and so all of these penalties help us recognize that the actions that we take that are punished uh, or punishable uh, are even, um, they come from uh, sin in the heart that is punishable not by the society, but by the living and holy and glorious God. So may he help us to care about one another's property as much as we care about our own and may he restore unto our nation just laws and wise ways of doing things uh, he has given us over to minds that do not function uh, and uh, provided the comedians with a limitless source of material uh, as they can easily mock uh, what we are doing as a society for the restraining and punishing of crime and even what we call crime now. So let's ask God to help us in those ways. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we bless your name.
for your own goodness, your own sinlessness, your perfection, your holiness. And we thank you, Lord, for the love in which you purposed to redeem sinners and created us in order that you might be glorified in adopting us as children in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the uh, forbearance and patience uh, in which you uh, have borne with sinful man for so long who deserves the fire of hell. And we praise you for giving us in your word not only your moral law, but the civil laws that you gave Israel so that we might see what it looked like in one instance to rest civil laws and societal laws upon the foundation of your moral law. We pray, O God, that you would make each of us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and especially to love our brothers and sisters in the church as you have loved us, so that with them we would even rather be wronged uh, than to wrong and rather suffer loss than uh, to harm uh, the church. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, restore unto our churches a love for you and a love for your law. Uh, And we pray that you would restore unto our society the saturation of uh, the those who are yours by faith in Christ, who have the life of Christ at work in them, and who love your law for his sake, so that there would be enough of a revival of the spread of the gospel among us, uh, that the mind of the society and the laws of the society would once again come to be shaped more and more uh, according to your word and that you would be glorified both by what you do in the church and by what you do by means of the church in the nation in which we live. And now, Lord, we turn to the rest of the day. We ask that principles from your word, even here, uh, would govern how we think and how we act, that you would get, grant to us to, from the heart, desire others good, better than ours, and desire others' praise more than ours, that you would make us loving and serving and kind, Uh, not only uh, with others, but especially with one another in our own family. Bless this day, we pray, and grant that the events of it would be uh, not only joyous to us, but especially uh, honoring to you, and that they would be useful to our souls, that we might come to the conclusion of the day, more conformed to the image of Christ than we began it. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen.